Welcome to the 2020 Grief Project podcast, hosted by me, Diane Brennan and Kristen Lajeunesse, two people engaging in dialogue around death and dying and the psychology of loss and grief. Join us in becoming more curious and less afraid of these sometimes scary topics. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the 2020 Grief Project podcast. It's Diane and Kristen, and we are here today sharing some reflections on past interviews. In 2018 and 2019, we spent time talking with individuals about their losses more than 20 years ago. And all of those um, interviews are on the 2020 Grief Project website, and you can go and, and check them out if you're interested. Although Kristen and I thought that today, what we would do is, is talk about a couple, we're gonna, we picked three um, past interviews that we wanted to kind of talk about and, and reflect um, to everyone kind of what we learned about grief as a result of these three individuals sharing their stories. We thought that this would be, you know, a way to just start to have a dialogue about loss and grief in a maybe slightly different way and, and delve into, you know, kind of the unspoken language of loss. We're trying to make these conversations broader and, and less scary <laughs> and less intimidating for people. And so Kristen, are you ready? Yes, I am ready to dive in, Diane. Who would you like to start with? You know, I thought, Kristen, we'd start with um, our interview with Fiona. And mm -hmm. if you remember Fiona, uh, Fiona was um, a young woman in her 20s. Uh, and her and her husband were on a holiday uh, with their three children. And her husband... Um, they were hiking, her husband got, um, uh, they believe bitten by, you know, a snake or, or something like that and fell ill and died within, I think like three days time. Mm -hmm. um, and not only did they have um, three children at the time, um, she was also pregnant with her fourth child. Mm -hmm. And it was such a, it was such a powerful, uh, story and um, you know certainly when when you hear the story in her own words the um, just the thought of starting out your life having you know someone that you love by your side having three small children and one on the way and then your husband you know suddenly you know dies from this kind of weird and I think she even says that in mm -hmm. the just this weird circumstance um, that was unfathomable or unthinkable. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think you're you're drawn in, you know, first to the to the to the what happened, and and you know the kind of fact that it's just it was like unbelievable or kind of takes your breath away a little bit. Um, I'm I'm curious, like what you are reaction was just simply to like that, you know, the story of, of when her loss happened and where she was in her life. Like, I'm, I'm curious uh, what your reaction was to that. 
Yeah, I think one of the things that really stood out to me about that was just the kind of randomness of it, uh, as you as you alluded to, where you know she even said something in her in her interview when she was sharing the story of, uh, to the effect of, you know, you expect certain people in your life to die at certain times, but certainly not when you're on holiday or on vacation and just taking a hike, you know, and then and then within a matter of days. Um, losing your husband, the father to a soon to be four children. And so I think it was kind of just a shock hearing it initially on how young she was, how young their whole family was and um, her ability to kind of snap into getting stuff done mode. Like she mm. what really impressed me as she was talking about her story was her ability to you know, make sure that her kids were taken care of. And we can kind of get into more of what that looked like too, but making sure that they were all set being by her husband's side. And then matter of factly saying, you know, once, once realizing that he was gone and, and accepting that um, kind of immediately deciding like, this is not going to define the rest of my life. I'm not going to allow this mm, experience to that. Inform yeah. yes yes <laughs> and I just there was so when she was talking about it and and you'll see this when you watch the video back but there was this sense of almost empowerment like pride you know maybe not at the time in the moment she was in it maybe not but yeah. certainly reflecting back she had this incredible strength in the way that she talked about that particular moment and deciding this is not going to define me I'm going to make good decisions for my family going forward So I remember um, when I arrived home, mm. the massive physical reaction to grief, like okay. the animalistic wailing thing, being held by my brother okay. and feeling ill and all that. Mm. I remember that. That didn't last that long. Um, and then I remember being really clear about how this was going to pan out. Okay. This was not going to be like, a, define the rest of my life. Okay. It like it was like a clear decision. Totally clear. Okay. Yeah. Where you wanted to, um, like, tell me what that means for you, because I don't want to make any assumptions. No. Like, so, what did it mean to, like, not let it define your life? I didn't want to be known as the young widow and okay. to be sympathized and, like, I was out of, like, it controlled me. Mm -hmm. um, and I, want, I wanted to hold the story and the truths of that for me and for the kids and for anybody we chose mm -hmm. to share that with rather than like it being public property. Okay. Because I was very aware that it was a really strange thing to happen. What also struck me, uh, we started to talk about her experience with this tragedy and you know, her husband getting sick and falling ill. And what struck me when I asked her, what do you kind of recall from that time, knowing that it, it was probably this wildly overwhelming uh, moment in her life that she said she remembered the people who were kind. Mm -hmm. and, you know, she noted the the nurse who made sure to 
take care of getting, you know, some things for her family that 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 person kind of went above and beyond. She she noted the, you know, the chaplain and the kindness and remembering to this day, you know, some of the words that he shared and and it just struck me how that is a lesson for all of us that the kindness that we show people when they are in difficult situations, when they are encountering a loss and grieving a loss, that, that, that kindness goes a long way. And it's so embedded as a part of their memory of that time. And that just knowing that can help to ease someone's grief. And what was interesting about that too is the nurse and chaplain, for example, they may be having similar conversations with people on a weekly, if not daily basis. So imagine us kind of everyday people or whatever your profession may be. I mean, for you, Diane, yes, your work, you are also having these conversations. But, um, you know, if you think about kind of our normal day to day, our personal lives, we may not be someone that we know, a friend or family member experiences a sudden loss or has, is, is going through grief of some kind, um, we may not think about it in the same way as someone who does it professionally. And I wonder if we just like took a step back to say, not if I were a professional in this field, what would it look like, but more, wow, I don't have to quote unquote deal with this every day, but you know, how can I show up for this person in my life in a way that lets them know that they're seen and heard. Mm. And I'm sure at some point we can get more into what that looks like, you know, in terms of suggestions from you as a professional in the field. But that, that point stuck out to me too, because I thought, you know, these people are probably having to show up in this way regularly for people because they work in a hospital. What does that look like for those of us who don't work in that, in that world? Well, and I'll add to that, Kristen, in, in, uh, later in the interview, she Fiona shares a little bit around some friendships and that friendships got closer and deeper and there were some that fell off and mm-hmm. those that fell off were the people if I'm I, I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit but they were the people who weren't helpful meaning they didn't get the grief and and how to navigate it and how to work with it and I just remember her talking about a friend who took um you know somewhat control and was very mindful of Fiona's grieving I'm gonna help her here's what we're gonna do I'm gonna take you know make some plans I'm going to kind of be there for what she needs and and she describes it as someone who could laugh with her, could be a little sarcastic um, and, and poke fun at things, but then also really understood what Fiona's capacity was and mm-hmm. was able to kind of step in and, and just help her along. And, yeah. you know, I think there's something to that, that when, when we encounter someone in our lives who is grieving a loss, if we are mindful about that and not mindful about it in just the first 
you know, month or two following the death, but in the first few years following the death and think about what it might be like for that person and how you can reach in and, and just meet them where their grief is at and, you know, show them that you remember, that you care, that you, you know, are there to help support them in all different ways and that mm-hmm. you're going to help them kind of just move, move through whatever they need, whatever they need to, that sometimes that's just the best support possible. Yeah. And I, and in that, that same regard, I thought it was interesting and really cool, actually, how she acknowledged that, you know, some of the friends that dropped off from her perspective, maybe they were, their families were very similar. Maybe they had similar age children or similar sized family or dynamics. And, and she thought maybe out of fear of, oh no, what if this happens to my family or I don't understand this new family dynamic or structure and that's scary to me. And so I thought it was actually really cool that she was, you know, almost accepting of maybe their fear around Mm. being around someone who was experiencing this level of, of a traumatic loss or, or this type of grief. Yeah. She got that there, that she represented their worst fears. Right. Yes. And the one thing that also struck me is she didn't have a large degree of anger as a result, whether mm-hmm. it was the friendships, whether it was uh, towards her husband, Steve, for dying, whether it was, um, you know, uh, just anger about her situation and, mm-hmm. you know, being a young widow with four young children. Um, she, she never got drawn into it. And you know, she certainly, you know, had things, right, that uh, she could have been angry about, but she didn't, she didn't go to that. She always came from that place of understanding and compassion, which is truly, um, I think, linked to that part where she said, this isn't going to define me, and I'm not going to allow, you know, that, that stuff in, so to say. Um, It was admirable, quite honestly, right? It really was. And, you know, on the flip side of that, it almost, even though her grief maybe wasn't manifesting as anger or she wasn't projecting it onto other people, she did admit to kind of turning it inward in not taking good care of herself, um, you know, not eating well, which was a concern for multiple reasons, but primarily that she was pregnant at the time. I think she said she was very newly pregnant. They just found out she was pregnant when Steve died. And so care the full, um, you know, carrying your baby through that entire, the entire pregnancy, basically while grieving and raising three other children, I thought it was really, um, interesting that she chose to share with us and be very honest about the fact that she was maybe partaking in some risky behavior around self-care. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, that's the messiness of grief, right? That's the stuff that sometimes is so hard to push through. And, and that, that piece of knowing that 
our pain is so big that sometimes we we don't care for ourselves in the way that we should and that we need help with it and we need maybe some you know gentle reminders or some support from others um, mm -hmm. to help us with that so I, I hear you that it is you know it is a it is a component of how we all process our grief and how we kind of get through it and there's there's outward manifestations and then there's kind of more that affect us and and internally and, and ourselves so you know I, I it struck me she was you know trying to find a sense of order in her mm -hmm. life and mm -hmm. that you know the her world just blew up so quickly and so suddenly and she she took control and she made decisions for her family and found her way through it. And I, I really I encourage everyone to go and, you know, listen to Fiona's story. It's, it's, um, it, there's courage, there's admiration, and there's, there is certainly um, this wonderful journey that she went on in terms of her own path to taking this awful experience and using it as a way to help others as as her as the years went on for her and um i you know i i i took away and learned you know so much from from her story i i really want others to to do that as well i agree it was one of the more impactful ones for me i think that we that we did and i don't want to spoil all of it for those who decide to go watch right. it but there's such a great story in there about her next love and uh um, romantic love i should say and um just her closing thoughts her advice to others who are experiencing grief was just some of the most beautiful words i've ever <laughs> I've ever heard. So mm. please go check it out. I don't want to, I wrote it down. I thought, do I want to spoil the ending or no? <laughs> well, that is, that's a really good hook, Kristen. <laughs> um, let's talk about the next one. Um, one that we, we also interviewed um, another woman. Uh, her name was Trina. And uh, Trina shared with us stories of her loss when she was I want to say I think she was like 17 18 years old and uh, Trina experienced the loss of three people that she was close to in a very short period of time uh, I think it was it was like within a year um, it could have been shorter um, she experienced the loss of an uncle uh, her grandfather and then her grandmother and she she goes on to tell us that the that her grandmother was um, the most significant of all the three, but they were all you know impactful to her, and they really um, kind of created I think um, you know for her some uh, you know just it it just kind of brought into her, it brought this grief into her life at a time where um, she just felt no one else in her age group could really understand or relate. And, um, and, and she, 
she really shared and what struck me um, was something that that she shared with us in the interview. Uh, she, she talks about her deep sadness with these three losses, um, but she she really reflects on that. She felt like a lot of her grief and the sadness was centered around that um, they weren't going to be here for future events. And she she had a lot of sadness around what the future held and these people who were, you know, a core part of her family not being here to experience it with her. Mm -hmm. And tied to that, what I thought was really nice was how she was able to, the almost visceral memories, she could recall, you know, the smell of her grandmother's mm. cooking and and her the pride that her grandmother instilled in her for family and heritage and and creating new memories now with her own children i thought it was really uh beautiful how she kind of took that pain which now this is notable difference from um fiona even though their losses were the same amount of time apart, or relatively within the same window apart, Trina still felt very much at the surface. Um, her recalling the memories and um, not just the memory of the, the fond times, but of the losses themselves and how it, it felt much more, um, I'm not sure how else to say it other than close to the surface, more tender still for her. Um, and I, I just bring that up as a way to say, you know, no matter how long it's been, how, how far away your, your right, loss was. Like 20 years, 30 exactly. years. Exactly. Like, like yes. Yeah. And, and it's just very different for, for everybody. Well, and I also think to your point, it is how you, how your memories, right. Uh, kind of come in. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that part of to your point, like the, it was a very, you know, visceral, very like sense memory mm -hmm. um, that we felt um, when we were talking with Trina. And I think that part of, I, I, I even wrote this down. Uh, let me, let me um, look at, let me, let me get this right. Um, when, when we were talking with her, one of the things she said is her grief is always there. It, mm -hmm. it, it, it deepens, it changes, but it never goes away. And I mm -hmm. think Kristen, what you're reflecting back is exactly, you know, that part of what Trina shared with us that it is always there for her easily accessible, like right under the surface mm -hmm. that, um, that these deaths were so impactful and, and she, she really misses you know, that part of family. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like she, she talked about the difference between, you know, how her family gathered, how intact they were when her grandmother and her uncle and others were alive and then how it changed um, after. And there was a lot of sadness around that. To mm -hmm. your point, she, she instilled some of that with her own family, but she noted how it was different. Yeah, and this may be a little off topic, not entirely, but it did 
remind me of uh, not her, the way she was expressing her experience, but her types of loss reminded me a little bit of your losses too, just having several in a row in a short period of time. Um, I just thought that was interesting that we happened to connect with someone who also had multiple losses like you did as well. And again, I know we're not mm -hmm. totally talking about you right now, yeah. but, That's um, okay. <laughs> but a little side note for anyone who hasn't yet gone to watch Diane's story on the website yet where she does, where you do talk about all of, all of that experience for you. But that was one of the things that came up for me too, or I don't know why it didn't hit me in the moment that we were interviewing her, but I thought, oh yeah, an, a, another person who had this unique experience of losing multiple people in a short amount of time. Yeah, I, I hear you with that. And I think that, um, you know, the way uh, Trina talked about it, I could relate to that. Um, it was, I think at one point she said, like, haven't we had enough? Like, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. how, like how, I think her uncle died and, and her grandfather died and then her grandmother died. And, and it was in that point, like she, she put that out there, the, just the frustration of how much more do we have mm -hmm. to endure? How much more, you know, loss um, should we have to bear as a family in this short window? And and I I could very much relate to that, and very much relate to um, her her frustration with that. I know I did feel that as well, and mm -hmm. I think I'm glad you brought that up because we do relate through our stories. We relate through our experiences, although individual um, experiences, we can sometimes see some of ourselves in others. And, and that is what I, I really enjoy about the story sharing and people sharing these messy parts of their lives with, with us as a way for us to all relate and learn and, and kind of understand each other in different ways. And I, I felt that Trina had this message that uh, she talked about a few times in our interview, the idea of, of wishing that she spent more time mm. and that if she could have done anything different what she would have wanted to do was spend more time with this, with her grandmother. And I think she had mentioned this a few times, Kristen, and get her grandmother to write down her recipes. <laughs> yes. That meatball recipe. Yes. I will not, yeah. I will not, I could almost smell it while she was talking about the way she described it. Yes. And as a vegan, that is, uh, <laughs> That hey, is, we've that got quite remarkable. We've you. got vegan meatballs, and <laughs> you know, I've had true. meatballs before going vegan, so <laughs> very true. But I, you know, <laughs> that that she could bring that um, memory up for you is remarkable. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I do think that the one thing that Trina, you know, really did also share was this part of. Um, you know, trying to get to a place of acceptance. And, and I, I feel that that was something that she felt she did achieve, although it took her time to get there. It took mm -hmm. her many years to feel any level of acceptance with the death of her grandmother.
the grief is always going to be there. Yep. I feel like it's always going to be there no matter what I do. Okay. It's just a way of, you know, you have to, for me, I have to learn how to navigate around it. Okay. You know, um, there'll be a song, there'll be a memory, there'll be something like, you know, she took me to St. Patrick's Cathedral when I was a kid. I'll never forget that. There's just certain things. Mm -hmm. You know, my grandfather used to take me to White Castle to have a chocolate shake that you had to suck your skin be like that, you know. <laughs> I, that I'll never forget. And, I, right. and, and as I get older, you know, I cherish those memories. And I cherish the time that I had with them. But, like, the grief, it's just... It deepens, but it just never goes away. Okay. Yeah, so, so it's always there, kind of under the surface. It's like a wave, like a wave. Like, you know, okay. it'll come, you know, it crashes down at the most inopportune times, and then it dissipates. Okay. You know, and sometimes it's really rough, you know, especially, like, certain times of year, mm -hmm. like their anniversary or their death or their birthday or something. But then, you know, like, on the everyday kind of thing, you know, it, it's there, but it's not, like, as present. I think that something that is important for people to understand that acceptance doesn't always come quickly, that it can take time to really come to a place of feeling acceptance towards what happened. And to that note, Diane, what would you say to someone who, who may come to you with that question of, like, how long do I have to stay in this state of grief? You know, like, how would you help them see the light at the end, so to speak? It's a good question. And I think that acceptance comes in many different forms and on different levels. And that I would, I would encourage someone to think about it in perhaps some smaller pieces first, meaning there are probably components of their loss and their grief that they may be able to feel acceptance towards versus like the big, the whole big, um, I guess we're on a food theme here, the whole big enchilada right? <laughs> <laughs> where um, I, I think that, you know, there might be, might be able to gain some acceptance on kind of the smaller pieces of of accepting that you know the person is no longer you know experiencing pain accepting that the person is um you know was able to kind of live a joyful and happy life and um and that their their death doesn't take away from that like there might be, you know, these smaller kind of components mm -hmm. that we can gain some acceptance around that will open us up to a greater level of acceptance with someone's death. And, and that part of feeling, I guess, just okay about it, um, which is a... Yeah, I know it's kind of a, a big question, not, yeah. not a quick answer, <laughs> but... What you said, I think actually ties really nicely into the next person that we wanted to talk about, unless there's anything more with Trina you wanted to share. I just had this train of thought where Go uh, for some, it. <laughs> some of, yeah, some of what you're saying, it really goes beautifully into Linda, the third, the third woman that we want to talk about today, Linda's story, whose um, mom 
died unexpectedly in her sleep when Linda was just 13 years old. And uh, just riffing off of what you were saying, Diane, this idea of like baby steps almost. And I think Mm. because Linda's grief journey started at such a young age, we got to hear her talk about that, her journey through and to finding rituals and other things, health, making healthier decisions around her, how to handle her grief and how that changed from the time she was basically an adolescent on through being a, you know, an adult now. Cause I think her loss was maybe closer to 27 years ago. Was it hers was longer. Uh, Linda's was, I think when we spoke to her, she was at like 21. Oh, 21. Okay. 21 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 21 years since the loss and what was interesting and and something that I, I took away from, from Linda's story was she shared with us that she, at her next birthday, uh, she was turning the same age that her mom was when her mom died. Mm -hmm. And it struck me as how that connection can be so meaningful and maybe even a little scary to be approaching that age, but also she described it as a sense of freedom. And yes, I think she also said she was a little excited by the idea of having gotten past that big number, that scary number. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's it. And I, I, I really, um, I just so appreciated her, you know, talking about that and talking about how she, how it was so important for her to find something that would be meaningful, um, you know, as a way for her to kind of engage and, and have this birthday um, and this year pass and how she found community, a, a community of, of other women that she, uh, I forget where she went, but, but she went, you know, and traveled. Costa Rica, to, I think. Costa Rica, mm-hmm. um, right? And it was like a retreat. And, and I she, think it was a retreat for women who had experienced loss or who were grieving in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah. It was like this wonderful idea of, Mm -hmm. uh, when she talked about it, I just remember her talking about feeling really safe and that it was, the space was being held for her and she felt supported. And it just reminded me that when we, when we need, when we need the support of others, um, and we find it in a community, it can be, it can create such a safe space for us to uh, share our feelings and share our, our thoughts. It was, um, it, it just, like, I, I wanted to, I think, like, hug her and be like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. so happy you found that. <laughs> like, I had this feeling, yeah. right, of just wanting, you know, to, um, you know, to, to, to express that. Um, Which notably a little throwback to Fiona's 
a story. <laughs> she okay. had said she had said that was one of the things she was missing was community in her yes. journey through healing. That she didn't feel at the time she felt like there weren't groups or individuals who could help her. And or although she did also say she wished she had done more independent research on that too. So it's just interesting tie back among the stories and Linda's journey to find that community and Fiona noting that she wished she had something like that. Yes, I, 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 I hear you on that. And I do think, I think that for Linda, it took a while to find the right community too. And like, if we think about Linda's story, um, the 13 year olds that, you know, and the young teenager that she was, um, she couldn't find that early on in her grief, but she found it later. And I think that was also probably why I wanted to hug her. Like you got it. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you know, I like, I, I just remember the, you know, the struggles of not only did her mom die, but she then, um, went to live somewhere else, you know, live with her dad in another state and a new home and a, a whole and you know, step kind siblings. Of mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thought, wow, the, you know, just all of the compounded loss there mm -hmm. that she experienced. And, you know, what Linda talked about, which I, I really want to point out to encourage people to listen to her story is that um, she talked about how it took her a long time to realize that the things that people leave behind, their possessions, their, you know, the jewelry, clothing, you know, all of that, that, you know, those aren't necessarily the person and that you can, you know, kind of let go of them and, and not have them you know, become, you know, such a focal point for your grief. And she talked about how earlier on those were so meaningful. Um, but then, you know, another loss, right, different kind of loss. Uh, she, her home was burglarized. And uh, some mm -hmm. of these things that were her mom's were, were taken from her. Mm -hmm. And all these things that she held dear for, for so many years that were comfort to her as part of her grieving process were now taken away um, and, you know, through this burglary. And I thought, wow, a different wave of loss. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing about Linda that I admired. She saw grief as a teacher mm. and she, she saw that she grew and she learned and she took those lessons that she was taught from her losses and from her grief and she used them to grow and develop and i just found that to be so inspiring i can't imagine who i'd be mm -hmm. without it okay um, it's been such a huge part of my life and who I've become as a person. Um, I'm thankful for it at this point. Yeah. Just the extreme amount of empathy that I feel and 
the ways that it helps me relate to people. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a huge teacher uh, and you don't really see it until, um, again, you see it reflected in somebody else and you see how much they change just having that experience. The other big thing that stood out to me with Linda's as well um, was she had said something about, you know, people assumed, the people around her assumed that bringing up the loss of her mother or the death of her mother was something that they shouldn't do or that it would be hurtful. But she said, you know, that's how she keeps her alive is through conversations and talking about her mom and remembering things about her mom is actually uh, can be healing and therapeutic. Um, and so I thought that was interesting for anyone who may be kind of dancing around this, how do I talk to someone about their loss and grief and that it can really serve a, a larger purpose once you can kind of push past the discomfort of, of bringing it up and talking about it. Yeah, and I think, Kristen, that is, um, that is the, the, the question that you know, I want to pose to everyone who is listening. Um, you know, the, the what if it was no longer taboo mm -hmm. you know, to talk openly about your losses and your grief and what impact might that have um, to us as individuals, but kind of in the world. And, and I think that this part of when we, when we talk about it openly, it allows us to you know, keep those memories alive, to connect with the person, to share our grief with others, to, to be heard and to be understood and to be held. And mm. I just, I just wonder if we, if we did more talking, mm -hmm. how would that impact us as people and in our world today? And what do you think? It's making me think a lot about pandemic times. And I listen to a lot of podcasts uh, uh, myself and some of them are centered around um, reflections on pandemic related losses and how it's changed our lives. And so the reason I'm going there with it now uh, in this moment is because I think about the conversations I'm hearing and listening to as a, as a third party or outside of that experience that the person's talking about, I have a deeper level of empathy or understanding for what someone may be going through that I had no idea. I passed them on the street. I see them on social media or online in some capacity. And it's so easy to just judge someone in passing or not think, oh, I wonder what they're going through today. And so all this is to say, you know, you just kind of never know what's happening below the surface and being able to talk more openly about um, much more sensitive topics like death and dying and loss, I think only allows us to, to further develop our innate sense of empathy and compassion for other people. I hear you on that. And I do think that the more open dialogue that we have and the more curiosity that we can have about what might be going on for someone else um, can certainly bring you know, a greater level of, of compassion and, and perhaps unity and, and just understanding for each other. Um, and 
you know, perhaps that's something that that we can see maybe evolve over time or even some maybe silver lining from the pandemic. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I realize that might be a little controversial, but hey, you know, um, perhaps that's possible. So yeah. something for everybody just to to give some thought to the the kind of what if. Mm -hmm. What if we what if we had more open conversations about you know death, dying, loss and grief? What would that mean for ourselves and for others in the world? So let's leave everybody with that. Yes. And if you do uh, watch any or all of the interviews that we just um, touched on today, we'd love to hear what you think of them, whether you want to leave a comment on the posts on, on our website, 2020griefproject.com, or find us over on social and uh, drop a note to say, you know, what you thought of the, the latest episode. We'd love to hear from you.